Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market how you day? How you day? It's your boy Ty Roxon back again with another episode. And today's episode is with Michael Zbursky. Michael Zbursky is an amazing coach for consultants and also an amazing consultant as well. And we talk a lot about the mindset of what it takes to be a good consultant, how to focus on price and how to focus on making sure you get the right return on you know on expertise actually and the keys to unlocking potential what it takes for you to make sure that you're not just focusing ideas but you're also focusing on executing those great ideas it's really really uh inspirational in the sense that i know for a fact listen to a lot of uh my listeners and a lot of you that send me messages is that a lot of you know what you want to do but there might be some problems executing what that plan is. And so I feel like Michael's a great guest to help you unlock that potential and really get you uh, committed to starting something. So it's a great, great, great interview. Love Michael's work. Make sure you get his book. His book will be in the show notes. So check out the episode. And as always, I am truly grateful. I've gotten a large influx of um, messages from from um, a lot of you listeners. It seems to be a time period where a lot of you are doing a lot of projects. And so that's exciting. That's exciting for me to hear. You know, I, I love hearing uh, people going after the dream. So I, I'm humbled. Thank you for sending me messages. Thank you for doing the work you're doing because this podcast is meant to build leaders like yourself. So truly grateful and enjoy the episode. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's episode is with Michael Zabersky. Now, we're going to be talking about the mindset of successful consultant, but let me tell you a little bit about Michael first. He's an author, he's an entrepreneur, he's the CEO of ConsultantSuccess.com, and he's consulted for organizations and advised leaders throughout North America, Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, and the Middle East in over 30 industries, from service providers to billion-dollar multinational corporations including Panasonic, Dow Jones, Financial Times, anyone, you named it. He's also an in-demand speaker and gives keynotes and workshops for many, many organizations. So we're definitely going to be diving into what exactly it takes to be a thought-leading industry, to be someone that's re- referred to as the go-to uh, consultant, and how to sort of deal with those challenges 
that, that will inevitably come about. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, real pleasure to be with you. Pleasure is mine. But before we get into your career, um, you know, I, I love talking to thought leaders, but I'm always curious about the beginnings. You know, when did you know that this is something you want to do? What was that turning point? And what was life for? What was life like before the? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, first thing I would say is I probably didn't know way back when that I'd be where I am necessarily today. I had very different uh, thoughts going through my mind when I was younger. You know, when I was in in high school, um, up until about grade eleven, my whole life was sports. I was very competitive. Um, I was in track and field. I was spending six days a week uh, going to a track and field club, and the the only person I couldn't beat in our whole kind of state or, or province was a guy by the name of Dylan Armstrong that actually went on to be a Canadian bronze medalist. Um, so I was very competitive and really enjoyed that. I played all kinds of sports from rugby to baseball, to soccer, basketball, of course, track and field as well. Uh, and that was my whole life. But when I was leaving high school, going to my first year of, of college, my cousin Sam and I were still business partners today. Uh, we, we launched a f- our first business and, We've continued to to build and sell and build and sell uh, multiple different businesses over the years and never really looked back. So that's, that's interesting. You found a business partner early on and then you've stuck with them for forever, it sounds like. But I guess it sounds, you know, when people say that, I know I've, you know, I've started a company and I've had um, a few success and, and failures, but initially my failure was not knowing how to find a partner that sort of had the same level of passion that I did. How, what were the things that you could take away from yours that you could give advice to people like, you know, me and others when you start out businesses? Yeah, I think the first thing is that a, a partnership can be both a blessing and a curse, um, right? In some cases, people rush into partnerships and they don't have good groundwork established. So they just gloss over things like what are our actual rules and how will we hold each other accountable and how are we going to structure this from a legal perspective to ensure that both of us are protected. I mean, for Sam and I, it was interesting. We've we've built businesses together. We've also gone our own ways at times and and been involved. I ran a consultancy for several years that uh, that Sam was not a part of, and he was doing his own thing. So, uh, you know, we've seen both sides of it. But when we've also experienced a lot of challenges for us, it's you know we're family, we're cousins, we grew up spending a lot of time together. We're like brothers. In fact, a lot of people think we are brothers. And so for us, right, it's not as it's not as simple as like you have an argument, you just go your own way. I mean, we're, we're family, we're blood. Uh, and so we need to to ensure that we're always coming back together and we, we work better together, uh, you know, today than we than we ever have. It's we just continue to refine our processes and how we support each other and how we support our clients. Uh, to the point where we're just working like a very high performing team. But in the early days, we certainly had a lot of challenges and, and struggles. And so mm. my real advice to people would be make sure that you are entering into a partnership with someone that you really believe can bring value to the table. And then don't try and underestimate or don't try and uh, skirt around setting up proper legal agreements and really having some tough discussions because it's it's easy to to feel good about what's going to happen when there's nothing there, but when your business actually starts being a business and there's money pouring in, the stakes change and people's perspectives change, and you never know. There's no guarantee that where you are today is where you're going to be in a year or two or three or you know ten years down the road. So you want to make sure that you uh, 
kind of reach out to and have conversations with professionals, whether it's lawyers, accountants, other people in the business world. Uh, it's great that you're tuning into Tyo's podcast here, right? Learning from others because all of that is really what will help you to to create the, a, a business that will last. Nice, nice. Well, and I'm definitely looking to dive into more of that. So, okay, so there's that. That's definitely very important to make sure you have that solid foundation. Now, today we live in this digital and globalized world, which means, you know, a lot of thought leaders can come about. You could have the, the, the uh, fraudulent ones without um, solid foundations, but you could also have ease to spread your message. Now, I'm curious as to the first part of that. How can you develop a mindset of a successful consultant in today's um, noisy, noisy world? Well, the biggest thing when it comes to, to mindset, right, there's, there's really two parts to creating success. And this is relevant whether you're a consultant, which is my world, or if you are uh, an entrepreneur, business owner, really anyone. Uh, the two parts to, to achieving success are both competence and confidence. Mm -hmm. So you can be very competent, right? You can read a lot of books, take a lot of courses, study, 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 plan, plan, plan. You might know a lot, but it doesn't equal success. Uh, and the flip side of that is that you also may be very confident. You might have a, you know, a strong ego. You might be able to believe that you can accomplish anything. But if you don't know how to do the right things, you're going to hit, hit up against the wall off and you're going to encounter a lot of roadblocks and you won't know how to get around them. And so true success comes from having competence. So you know what to do, but then also the confidence to go out and do it. And that is what allows you to take action. And action is what then gives you real feedback and allows you to optimize and to improve and to continue getting better and better. So a big problem, Tyler, that a lot of people face is that they spend so much time thinking and planning, but they're not actually getting out there because they have fear. They wonder, well, what are people going to say? Or what if I make a mistake? Or what if I'm wrong? And so they sit in their, you know, kind of proverbial offices or desks and they're thinking and planning and preparing, but they're not actually getting out of the building. And getting out of the building and putting your ideas into the world and seeing how they land and then learning from those experiences is ultimately really where the greatest success comes from. Wow. Well, confidence plus competence equals successful consulting. And then uh, getting out of the building and putting your ideas in the world definitely allows you to, to see what resonates and what doesn't. And then you also develop your style in the process. Yeah, I mean, ideas, I think a lot of people place a lot of value on ideas. And, and listen, I'm a big fan of creativity, but ideas by themselves are worthless. Mm. There's never been a time where just an idea created something. So you can have great ideas, and I think we all come up with great ideas, but the people that actually achieve success in this world are those that implement and execute on those ideas. You have to be able to take action on your ideas or great ideas will just sit there. And then people will say, well, you know, they'll, they'll f find a business that actually did what they thought of. And maybe they thought of it years ago and that other business is successful. And they'll say things like, oh, I should have done that. I wish I would have, you know, started that. Well, you could have, yeah. right? If, if you actually would have done it. So there's a big difference between the mindset of people who just like to come with ideas and make claims that they know what they're doing and, and all that. And those that actually put in the work to get there. Yeah, love it. Love it. Now, let's talk about the problem you solve. How did you identify the problem that you were trying to solve? And then how did you go about building, you know, going about with the confidence and competence? So you're referring to my time as a consultant in the early days or the, the business 
that is consultingsuccess.com today. Well, I, I want to start off with the first one because I think there's an interesting story of what evolution can come about when you first start off doing something. And I'm sure it leads, it led to what you do right now because of what Definitely. initially. So I, yeah, I, in that initial phase, I think is always interesting for people now because a lot of people listening to the podcast might be in the early stage and they could see a path for themselves. And, hundred percent. So yeah, I, I learned a lot of lessons, AKA I made a lot of mistakes, right? Everything that I talk about and share and, and all the counsel that I give clients comes from my own experiences. And so in the early days, I mean, I remember being in my early twenties, I was consulting for billion dollar organizations, uh, in, in a, a culture that was not my own culture. Uh, I had a lot of challenges, a lot of fear of the unknown, a lot of, you know, sweaty armpits in boardrooms, mm. Uh, speaking in my case, this was, I was building a business in Japan, you know, uh, so I was speaking to presidents and chairmen of large organizations in Japanese, which was not my mother tongue. And it wasn't easy, right? There was a lot of challenges, a lot of mistakes that I made. But the key thing is that every time that something happened, I would take that as a lesson. I would learn from it. I would improve. And then I would go back at it the next day. I wouldn't get, allow myself to get knocked down and to wallow in that and to fold cards and go home. Nice, nice. And then, no, yeah, I, I think that, that personality to push through is always interesting. And then your first consultant business, what exactly was it? What, what were you working on? So, I mean, the, our, the first business that I really ever did, uh, it was called Fingertip Media. And this was in the early, early days. I'm sure someone else has that domain now because we haven't had it for a long time. Um, it's actually still a good one, I think, the, the name. But anyways, it was uh, we were doing web development and design. So Sam was doing all of the, the design and development, and uh, I was doing client communications and marketing and, and strategy. Mm. Uh, from there, our next business uh, was called Kanke Culture, which uh, in Japanese, Kanke means relationship. We've always been very big believers in the importance of relationships in, in business. So Kanke culture, relationship culture. And that business was uh, a branding and marketing uh, agency. And so we did a lot of branding work and a lot of marketing communications, first for clients in North America. I then went over to, to Japan, opened up a branch office for us there. And that's where we worked with some very large organizations like Panasonic and Dow Jones Japan, Financial Times Japan, and a whole bunch of other B2B players in that space. Um, and from there, the next uh, consultancy that I built was called Relogy Marketing. And that's where we're doing a lot of lead generation for professional services companies. So like law firms and financial organizations and other consultancies. Uh, and all of those experiences is really where we kind of honed this idea and developed this idea for consulting success, which when it started off, it wasn't about like a business. It, there was no monetization plan. It was pretty much putting out articles where I was sharing my experiences from the front lines, the mistakes that I was making, the successes that I had, resources, stories, because I wanted others to be able to benefit and to hopefully avoid making the same mistakes and, and having those same kind of experiences so, so that they could be more successful more quickly. Uh, and it just kind of went from there. Wow, nice. No, I love that. I love that. So then my immediate question becomes, how do you focus and develop offers that align and resonate with the ideal clients. You've done, you know, more than a few industries now. So what was the, I don't know, I don't want to say secret sauce because there's obviously a lot of work that, that's involved in that. But I imagine there's a process that you, you have for, you know, focusing and developing offers that align and resonate. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you asked that because I just right now, today actually released a new 
training program uh, on how to productize consulting services. And, uh, and it aligns very much with what you're saying. So the, the number one key is, first of all, identifying uh, a problem that the market has and uh, or a result that they want and, and how you can connect your expertise to that. Uh, there's plenty of, of stories of people putting out offers or building products uh, where no one actually wants them, right? And so the, the, the creator, the inventor of the idea thinks that they have something that people want and they spend a lot of time and money and resources creating it and putting it out there only to find out that the market actually doesn't want it. And I've done that too. I remember spending over $20,000 once building um, a software product that we forgot to really ask the market whether or not they wanted it. And so we learned from that experience. Luckily, we're able to pivot and uh, build that business, make it profitable and, and sell it later on. But um, you know, the, the first thing about having a product is identifying who your ideal client is for it and uh, really ensuring and validating that that the marketplace wants it. And so I think that's a really big important step that not enough people take, which is, again, the idea for the offer is great, but you need to validate it. You need to put it out into the marketplace and actually see, are people willing to take out their credit card and, uh, and you know, punch in the numbers and make a payment? Because if they aren't, or if they're not willing to write a check, then it doesn't matter how good your idea is, mm. people aren't going to buy it. So there's a lot of ways that people can do that, right? You can come with an idea you can find your ideal clients on a lot of different platforms and you can put it out there. You can say, I'm thinking about putting this together, this product, this training, this whatever, uh, any interest, right? Is a sign that you would find helpful and see what kind of feedback the marketplace gives you. And then based on that, you can refine uh, and, uh, and adjust your offering to get it to a place where it can be very successful. Yeah, I think it's that idea of social listening. I think you don't want to send... You don't want to work hard on a project um, that no one wants. Uh, you you want to make sure, it, obviously, before you have the confidence and competence, you, you, that's why you have to go out into the world to see what exactly the pain points are and how they want to receive those pain points. But if you sort of do that without the social listening, it could be a very frustrating time for you as a consultant. Yeah. You, so you have to ask and you have to listen. I mean, if you just listen, you might interpret the wrong information, um, right? When it comes to actually a monetary transaction. There's a lot of people who will tell you, oh, you have a, that's a really great idea. Some will tell you just because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Others will tell you because they're interested to a degree, but they're not really committed or, or not committed enough to actually pay for it. So it comes down to when you're testing an offer, you need to really validate it by getting someone to buy. That's that at the end of the day, that's what matters most. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and then, so then, Let's say we move on from that. How do you then structure a marketing system that helps you attract high value clients? Because, you know, you said the commitment versus good idea. How do you then, you know, structure that marketing system? So the the foundation that we use with all of our clients uh, starts off with, number one, getting real clarity around who your ideal client is. Uh, that's that's critical. If you don't know who your ideal client is, then it doesn't matter what kind of marketing ideas you have. You won't know who to target with them. Uh, once you have clarity on the ideal client, then the next thing that you want to do is really develop the right messaging. And that's messaging that's going to get their attention, their interest, uh, so much so that they're going to want to have a conversation with you. And so developing a message that will really resonate with them is key. And again, you can only do that once you have real clarity around who your ideal client actually is. So just saying I work with business owners is not specific enough, mm. right? You want to really hone in on like who is your ideal client 
And this is an area that a lot of people have challenges with because they don't want to narrow in too much. They think that they're going to somehow lose opportunities. But if you really look around at the most successful companies uh, and entrepreneurs and thought leaders in any space, they're very, very focused. Um, and they may not be as focused later on when they've you know, achieved a, a certain level of success. But in their early days, almost all companies start off with a very defined offering and a very defined and clear ideal client that they were targeting with their product or service. Once you have that, then you want to make sure that you're also developing uh, and creating the the right positioning for your service offerings that you're packaging them the right way you're presenting them you're pricing them the right way because there's a lot of people out there who will spend a great deal of time and money and resources to attract clients and then they'll win projects but those projects are undervalued so they leave a lot of money on the table um, and, and that's not really the kind of business that you should be building either you want to make sure that you're getting compensated very fairly for and not even just fairly but in an, an extraordinary way so you can create the kind of lifestyle and freedom and flexibility that, that you actually want to have. And then the fourth part of this whole foundation, which now I'll tie back to, to your real question, Ty, is around what we call the marketing engine. So it's a way to get your message consistently in front of your ideal clients. And depending on what business you're in or whether you're a consultant or you know, you're in e-com or whatever you're in, you want to figure out how can you get your messaging that you developed that you really believe will resonate with your ideal client, how do you get it in front of them? Because the challenge that most consultants have is not their expertise. Like the people that we work with are already very good at what they do. That's not their problem. Their problem is marketing. Their problem is, is actually getting uh, you know, found and being known. And so right now, most people are flying under the radar. So your job is to fly like on the radar so your ideal clients actually know that you exist and that you can potentially help them and if you develop the right messaging really compelling specific messaging it will get the attention interest of your ideal client they're going to raise their hand and say hey Tyler that's really interesting tell me more about that how do you do that and so the marketing engine is all about then leveraging automation and finding ways to uh, deliver that message consistently uh, in front of your ideal clients which will help you to generate a lot more inquiries and leads uh, and opportunities. Yeah, wow. No, that's great. And I, I love that point of consistency. I think the idea of messaging is something that's lost on, on many people who aspire to be consultant because I, the reason why I brought up the initial um, noise of the world today with digital and globalization is that there might be all that distraction, but it also presents an opportunity for you to show up consistently and spread your expertise, whether it's through social media, through a newsletter, through podcast. And how many times consistently do you do that over a week? And that, you know, so th that's just at least the way I built my business. That, that was how it was. And it wasn't even intentional. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, I launched a podcast because this is something I'm really passionate about, but I, I, people started to reach out to me as opposed to the other way where they really wanted to hear my opinions on several things. And then it sort of grew from there. And I sort of had the idea to continue to grow that way. I think there's something that could happen if you consistently show up. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you touched on it there a little bit. Pricing. This is something that a lot of people struggle with uh, just because, you know, marketing expertise is, is, is something that, you know, if someone hasn't done it and it's not seasoned as you are, it could get, ah, man, am I charging $7,000 for this? Uh, it feels like I'm, I'm being a snake oil salesman or uh, my, maybe I should just be low so I can just get a lot of clients and then just get a testimonial. And then maybe I'll build a confidence that I actually charge what I'm worth. So how do you navigate that that balance? So the first thing is that most people are accustomed to charging based on on time. They're right. The status quo, the society that most of us live in, is um, is really structured in a way where you know you get paid. Like most people that work get paid on in in an hourly fashion. So. When you go out in, on your own, that's what you think. Well, that's what I should do. But it's actually the wrong approach. You should not be billing by the hour or by the day. Uh, you want to arrive at a pricing strategy and structure that really uh, connects to the value and to the ROI that you are creating for your clients. Uh, and what you want to keep in mind is that buyers are not paying you for your time. They're paying you for a result. And when you really understand that, then you can start to uncover value that you hadn't seen before when it comes to your pricing and compensation, right? A buyer doesn't actually care whether it takes you two hours or two days to do something. In fact, if you can get something done in two hours that otherwise would take someone two days, the buyer should actually be paying more for that because they're going to get the benefit of the result that they want earlier on, right? But the mindset of most people is, oh, this only takes me this amount of time. I guess I should only charge this. Buyers don't care about that. They care about the value. They care about the outcome. They care about the result. So what you really want to be focused on is exploring in your conversation with buyers to identify, uncover, and then be able to communicate the real value, the real ROI for them. How is their life going to change? How is their business going to change? How are their sales going to change? How does market share change? What happens if they don't do this? There's a lot of different angles that should be covered in what we call a meaningful consulting sales conversation that can really help both the buyer and yourself as a consultant to understand what's really at stake here. And if we do this and if we do it properly, what is going to change for the buyer and what is that value? And then when you understand that value, then you're able to connect your pricing to it and to ensure that the buyer is going to get a very positive ROI on their investment with you and that you're also going to be compensated extraordinarily well for that result and outcome that you're creating. And so one of the biggest things that I see, Tayo, uh, is people who are just charging based on an hourly uh, or like a fixed daily fee, but what they're doing is creating a significant amount of uh, value or ROI for the buyer, but they're not capturing that. Like I had a conversation with a consultant last week who said to me, yeah, I charged a client $13,500 uh, 
but the work that I did for them within 12 months actually added $30 million for them. And he's kicking himself because he left a lot of money on the table and he's realizing that now. So really, you want to make sure that when you are setting up your pricing and your fees, that you have that conversation with buyers. And the more that you do that, the more that you will uh, get comfortable with that. But you want to shift away from hourly and daily rates as quickly as possible and really start uncovering and identifying the value that buyers care about and want and then being able to connect your pricing to it. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest takeaway from that is that, you know, speak to the outcome, speak to the value of what you're offering as opposed to the hours you're, you're putting in. Because um, if you can say, look, working with me will allow you to, I don't know, skip two years of business school, for example, which, for example, that's what, over $80,000, depending on what school you go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can add this amount of revenue. It's a better positioning uh, then if you said, well, okay, for, for five hours, we'll get you da 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 and it's two, $2 per hour or something like that. And that sort of just lessens your value because, you know, um, they don't see the big picture because sometimes in their mind, they're positioned to say no. Like, why is it that much per hour? And you sort of cheat yourself because they could just take all the knowledge and work you've put years in and then, you know, in six months, get 10x what you just um, priced them for. Yeah, it's it's all about uh, you know the the learning experience. Uh, I think there's there's certainly there's nothing wrong with as you develop to potentially leave a bit of money on the table uh, in the early days. But as much as possible, people should be trying to ensure that, that doesn't happen. Although most people do experience that to a degree. Um, so yeah, it's it's really you know the, the key thing here that I would also offer is for all your listeners is that it's not about you trying to persuade or to convince a buyer that they should invest with you at a certain le- uh, level. The, the, the strategy, the approach, the mindset that you want to have is one where you ask the right questions so that it becomes apparent to the buyer themselves that investing with you at a higher level is actually in their best interest. And when you do that in the right way, when you use the right approach, you'll actually find that buyers are excited to invest more with you because now they see the potential for a much greater return and all of their uh, hesitations, the risk, um, the fears of what could happen start to fade away because you know how to approach that conversation correctly and you're actually empowering the client by asking them the right questions because they start to see things that they haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah. Asking questions can literally save your business. That can be the difference between um, sinking or growing your business just because you, you know, I think, uh, the, the art of question asking is something that we, we sort of just miss because we go through days quickly. Whenever you're starting a successful business and whenever you want to start a successful business, if you don't ask enough of the right questions, you're not able to get inside enough of the avatar or intended target audience. And, uh, you don't want to miss, miss out on really addressing those pain points. So for sure. Definitely agree with that. Is this what you call ROI positioning? Yeah, I mean ROI positioning is is at the heart of of your pricing strategy, right? It's it's connecting your service offerings or your products to the ROI that the buyer is going to get from the work that they do with you. And so rather than approaching fees in a way where again you're using hourly or daily rates or just an overall even project uh, like a lot of consultants will say, well, yeah, I use project fees, but when you get down to how they're uh, pricing their project uh, fees, it still comes back to hours or days. 
And so the, the shift, the real exponential growth opportunity for people is to really uncover through a series of questions what is going to be the real outcome and value and result for the buyer that they care about from all the different angles. And once you have that, then you can ensure that your fees are going to provide a very good ROI for the buyer while still providing great compensation for yourself. Gotcha. Uh, Before we move on to something else, I want to talk about this with pricing. What about the increase in your price element? What's your advice around that? You do that every year, every quarter? What's What's your idea on that? Yeah, so I think pricing should increase as you uh, create greater and greater results and have more confidence in in your own work. Um, you know, so a lot of utilities like cable and you know services that we all use uh, increase their pricing consistently. So this is something that all people should be doing. But as a consultant or as a professional service provider you should be increasing your pricing consistently until you start hitting some resistance in the marketplace. Uh, And the best way to increase your pricing is, well, first of all, to know how to do it through what I was just sharing before around the whole ROI positioning angle and focusing on the value and the outcome and having a really meaningful consulting sales conversation. But beyond that, the other key is, right, having, uh, like, as you have the confidence to ask for higher fees, Uh, you will start to actually receive higher fees. And so that will help you. But the other part too is that as you start working with more clients and you're able to demonstrate greater results, right, creating more uh, case studies and uh, client success stories, all that then can feed back into your marketing, gives you a lot more confidence, gives your prospective buyers a lot more confidence because you can show them, they can see that what, you know, it's not just what you're saying, but actually it's what you're doing that is working. And then that supports you being able to increase your fees. So the best way for people, if you're just getting started with an offer, right, something brand new, there's nothing wrong with discounting a little bit for the first couple of clients or so. Get some great case studies. Uh, you still want to make sure you're compensated well. You know, try to still make it profitable for yourself for sure. But then use those case studies, use those testimonials to go back out there, communicate and share that with prospective clients, and then increase your fees and keep increasing your fees until you start feeling like there's some resistance in the marketplace or there isn't enough value or ROI. So if you're helping your clients create an extra $100,000 within six months, you're not going to charge them $80,000. There's not enough ROI there for them. Mm. But if you're helping them to create an extra $100,000 within six months, you can charge 10, 15, even $20,000 and still make that a really great proposition for both parties. No, that's great. And I lied about the last question about price, and then we'll move on. Um, this is the last one that I want to ask on this. You uh, Sometimes, do you come across people that you work with that are aspiring consultants to say, you know, I've done everything. I've done all the questions. I know who I want to speak to, but they just don't have the money. They always tell me they want this, but they don't have the money. Um, do you ever come across people to say that to you? Uh, 100%. So if a few things might be going on there. Uh, number one, you might be talking to the wrong people. Uh, so someone will tell you like, yeah, I don't have the money because they don't actually have the budget. The other issue that could be coming up is that even though you might be asking a whole bunch of questions, you may be asking the wrong questions. And so my, my suggestion there would be to really look at what questions are you asking? And in those questions, are you really hitting on the pain point, right? Are you really hitting on what drives the buyer? Because if they're telling you that, 
you know, they have horrible back pain and you, you're letting them know, well, I have a solution that within three minutes of two quick stretches, you can actually relieve your back pain and it costs uh, $25 and they're saying, well, I just don't have the money for that. Then you're targeting the wrong client, right? Like just that's whoever you're targeting is someone that's never going to pay for it or their problem isn't big enough. So there's always, there's plenty of money in this world. I don't think any of us can refute that if you look around at the world, there's lots of money, uh, right? Certain groups of people will hold a lot of that money or have the vast majority of the wealth, but there's plenty of money flowing around. The key is to identify, right? Who is the ideal client for what you're offering? And then are you really hitting on what matters to them most? Mm. The problem isn't big enough. I like that. All right. Well, you are, like I said, very multifaceted. You also speak and you, you're an author. Talk to us about your new book, The Elite Consultant Mind. Yeah, The Elite Consulting Mind uh, really came from a place of you know building multiple businesses, selling businesses, and working with hundreds of, of consultants around the w- world personally, and just seeing you know what I came up against, what others have come up against uh, in terms of achieving greater success and attracting more clients and increasing fees. And when I kind of synthesized and summarized all of these different challenges that I had encountered and others have encountered as consultants, I started to really see certain ones uh, emerge over and over again. And so in the Elite Consulting Mind, what I've done, Tayo, is I've collected 16 specific kind of most common uh, mindset challenges that people encounter. And in the, the book, I share stories both from my own businesses as well as client uh, case studies of how people have not only encountered those, but then also how they've overcome them. Uh, And so my real goal, my real belief, the reason why I wrote the book and why I'm so passionate about the idea that's contained within it is because I believe that all of us have immense potential. But the difference between those that uh, face a lot of challenges and struggle and those that thrive is whether or not you can unlock that potential. And that potential is much more often not related to strategies and tactics. A lot of people like to talk and about strategies and tactics. A lot of people like to read books on strategies and tactics. That's where most of the information is about, right? Most people focus on what to do. But there's plenty of people out there that know what to do but still aren't seeing success. And the reason for that is because what's far more important is actually your mindset. It's how you approach things. It's how, about how you think about things. And when you know and can prepare yourself to handle specific situations and then to be able to overcome them and make better decisions that can unlock your potential, well, that's where the real success lies. Yeah, I love it. Love it. And they can find this book uh, where? Uh, so, yeah, The Elite Consulting Mind is on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Amazon paperback and Kindle. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes for sure. Uh, before we go, this podcast also consists of people who understand and connect across several cultures. So, you... You alluded to it earlier. You said in Japan, you didn't necessarily initially know the culture, but now you speak Japanese um, and you love traveling and spending time with your family. So what have you learned about yourself while traveling and interacting with different cultures? Yeah, you know, I I grew up um, when I was young. uh, I lived in the Middle East and I've spent a lot of time in Asia and spent some time in Europe. Um, Last year, I spent about five months uh, traveling in all over the world with my wife and, and daughter. So I'm a very big believer in the importance of you know being an international kind of citizen and getting different perspectives um you know i just i think when you get in, when you 
enter into different cultures and immerse yourself into cultures and, and new places and languages, you start to really gain a better perspective. You appreciate what you have more and you learn things about yourself and the world that you otherwise wouldn't know. And, and for me, that's just uh, extremely valuable. Yeah, no, that's 100%. 100%. And in uh, learning new languages, how did you go about learning Japanese? I hear, I hear that's not the easiest language to learn. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the easiest, but I also certainly wouldn't say it's the hardest. I think English is actually a much more difficult language to, mm, uh, okay. to learn. I started off back in high school studying a little bit. Then university, I took a course. I ended up spending a year as an exchange student in Japan at a university there. Uh, and then I lived there you know, kind of off and on for about five, six years as I built a business. Uh, so that's kind of how it came about. Okay. Okay. No, this is good. Thanks for sharing it because I'm always um I'm always fascinated by that. I I think it plays a big role into you know developing who we are. And I think we learn a lot about ourselves when we find ourselves in different cultures, uh, just because um, there's there are aspects of our lives that don't get tapped into when you're in your comfort zone. So um, it's, it's, it's I think it's cool that you you do that intentionally. So we'll make sure we put the elite consultant in mind the link to that in the show notes. We also will put the link to consultantsuccess.com. Um, in, in case of maybe, you know, someone in your target audience potentially listen to the podcast, who are the type of people that you really like to work with? Yeah, so we have a, you know, a, a range of uh, products and services where we support consultants. I mean, we work exclusively with consultants. For those that are just starting out, they can go to consultingsuccess.com and there's plenty of free articles as well as courses and trainings for people who want to become consultants and kind of you know reach their first six figures. Uh, then we run coaching programs for uh, experts who want to build their consulting business quickly um, and have deep expertise al- already, as well as programs for those who have been building a consulting business for quite some time. Uh, most cases, they've got to where they are just kind of based on their r- own network and referrals. But they want to grow well, you know, well beyond where they are right now. They want to add an additional six figures or even seven figures to their business uh, each year, uh, and so that's what we focus on helping them uh, in the program to achieve. Brilliant, brilliant. No, uh, this is good. This is so good. I'm sure I would definitely get a lot of people really hitting you up on that. So uh, thank you for that. Can't let you go though without asking you my mission statement. So this is the foundation of everything that I do, it, and, and the reason why this podcast exists and any of my businesses. It's uh, use your difference to make a difference. So. How do you, Michael, use your difference to make a difference? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, all of the, my work and everything that I do is focused on on helping others. I think at heart, I'm a teacher. Um, I get more gratitude and, and more appreciation, more enjoyment from seeing my clients uh, achieve great success than than the success that we even see in our own business. Uh, and everything that we really do is focused on helping our clients and not only helping them from a financial perspective where they're able to earn significantly more than they have before, but uh, what's really uh, kind of, you know, what I appreciate even more is how that allows them to, to support their children uh, or to, to travel more uh, or to impact their community. And so it's, it's a ripple effect, right? It's, it's not just how one person improves or, or sees greater financial uh you know prosperity but even beyond that it's what that allows them and their families and their communities to to achieve and um for me that's really what what drives me beautiful michael zaberski uh ladies and gentlemen we've been talking about the mindset of successful consulting 
We also talked about different ways to structure your price. This has been amazing. Thank you for spending at least 40 minutes with us. I know it's, uh, it's definitely going to be 40 minutes of gold in someone's life when this podcast comes out. So thank you so much. for Real pleasure. I enjoyed it. All right. The pleasure's mine, ladies and gentlemen. Till next time, use your difference. Make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 